a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. The podcast equivalency of dumpster diving, this is Table Talk hey, Radio. You that's know there's a, good stuff in the old that's, a, that's right. You never know what you're going to find. Set it on fire. Yep. It's like incense. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we have an interesting show for you today. We're going to do a little Name That Church Body. Remember when we used to do that game called Name That Church Body? Yeah, In the olden yeah. days, you used to read from books, but now, alas, you'll be reading from the World Wide Web. If I can't find a book, I'm still looking. I still think there's a comparative symbolics text at home that I brought. I got a new one. I can't find it, though. Okay, well, uh, we'll... We'll see if there's anything on the internet. I don't know if there's any uh, churches on the internet or not, but we'll we'll try to find one or two and see if you can figure it out. Uh, so that's what's in store for today's show. That's all we have planned so far. But uh, first, let's do some buzzwords. What do you have, Pastor? Well, I have my buzzword generator. Uh, the outlines of doctrinal theology available for download at wolfmuller.co for free. Pages 100 to two, one to 280. 82. Please. 199. Let's see. It's a good choice, I'm sure. Let's see here. Aha! Oh, look at that. Vocation. That's the word right on top. Vocation is the act of God by which he, through the means of grace, earnestly offers to all who hear or read the gospel, or to whom the sacraments are administered, the benefits of Christ's redemption, truly and earnestly invites and exhorts them to accept and enjoy what is thus offered, and endeavors to move and lead them by the power inherent in the means of grace to such acceptance and enjoyment of the benefits of the redemption. Now that, how about that? That is a different doctrine of vocation than we normally think of. This is what we would normally call the call of God, mm -hmm. and so we have it in the third article of the, of the Creed that the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole, whole Christian Church on earth. And this is that word vocation means that specific call to be a Christian. A lot of times nowadays when we talk about vocation, we're not just talking about the call to be a Christian, but the call to be, for example, a child, a husband, father, a parent, a grandparent, a citizen, a ruler, a pastor, or a hearer, and the various different callings that we have in life. But here, I'm, you have to use vocation as defined as the specific call to be a Christian. No problem. How about that? Not not a problem. Oh, okay, you got it. My uh, theological buzz phrase for you is the image of God. You can you can go ahead and use that in the English, uh, or if you want the Latin, uh, imago dei. Uh, but here, this is I like the simplicity of the Catechism. It says the image of God was this: Adam and Eve 
truly knew God as he wishes to be known and were perfectly happy in him, and they were righteous and holy doing God's will. Here's the next question, though. Do people still have the image of God? Answer, no. This image was lost when our first parents disobeyed God and fell into sin. Their will and intellect lost the ability to know and please him. In Christians, God has begun to rebuild his image, but only in heaven will it be fully restored. I don't know about you, but I don't know that that's said very much, um, maybe outside of um, our circles of, of, of uh, the Lutheran understanding. Because most of the time, when people are talking about the image of God, they're mostly talking about the fact that we were created in the image of God, and little is said about what has happened to the image of God that we've been created in since the fall. But it's, a, it's right. a great point for us to understand that that image is being when the when uh, Jesus uh, when God becomes a man he, that man is the very image of God and He is restoring that image in us. Uh, so it's uh, seen in its perfection uh, when we uh, are translated into glory. That's right. It's great. It's a wonderful point. So there's a durative image of God, which has that. This is where we understand that. You know, for example, right after the flood, the Lord says, hey, don't kill anybody, and if anybody kills somebody else, they got to be put to death because you were created in the image of God. So the image of God, even though it was lost, and we are all now, we bear the image of Adam, the, the image of God in creation has durative effect. So we still remember that creation of the image of God, and we rejoice that that the um, the fullness of the deity dwelled bodily in Jesus, and so in Christ the image of God is restored to humanity and to the Christian by faith and in resurrection by sight. So that's right. all great stuff. Just to clarify, I, I, I do think there are other um, Christians that confess that. I just was saying that I don't know that I hear it very much talked about. Okay, yeah. so uh, we're going to do some Name That Church Body. This is where we read some... Uh, Statement of beliefs, if found, uh, about a church body, and then the other person has to guess which church we're talking about. Uh, so, Pastor, I was perusing this website and uh, found a few things. We might get to some doctrine here, but you got to do some digging these days. You know, you can't just— yeah, I know. It, it's not just, uh, hey, this is a church. What is your confession? It's uh, here are the other things. that we. So here's one thing. Um, this particular church body has um, WIL, you know— Women in Leadership, it says, Women in Leadership works to dismantle patriarch systems in church, empowering women to live out the call of God in their lives, increase their capacities, and contribute their wisdom and con- uh, wisdom in congregations, area conferences, agencies, and institutions. And it, and it says— that, how, are, how are we against the patriarchy, by the way? How, how did that happen in the church? Okay. Um, well, how how did the patriarchy become a bad thing? Well, I'm I, I, we are pro patriarchy, by the way, right? Right. <laughs> you don't want to give me a chance to answer. I'm, I'm going to answer <laughs> quickly, just in case you get this wrong. Uh, but isn't it isn't it with all things, all errors in the church that it usually comes by those in the church following the ways of the world rather than the word of God? Is it? I would more complicated than that. Uh, probably not. There's this, there's this weird thing about feminism, which are aren't we against fem, against feminism as patriarchs, right? <laughs> yes, right, right. <laughs> I don't want to mince too many words here. <laughs> uh, but I there, how come I can hardly hear you? I think my headphones are, are broken. It's a blessing from God. 
Uh, so here's here's one more line. It says okay, the, now they're working again. So so the, the, the okay. How come this didn't happen like this? I, I just want to go back to the original kind of problem of feminism, which was I think I mean okay. So not not thinking about like women voting and stuff like that, but thinking about um, this kind of original injustice, the claim of injustice that the that the that came from feminism. Do I? Do you think I'm walking on thin ice here? I don't know. I, I'm going to pretend like I'm not walking on thin ice. I'm just going to say it. Okay. And that is that you just look at a man and a woman, and you're like, hey, you know, there's differences. There's an inequality of outcomes. When, for example, a man and a woman lie down as if they are husband and wife, and then they stand up again, and there's an inequality of outcome because the man mm -hmm. walks away not pregnant, and the woman walks away pregnant, perhaps after that particular act and you say okay there's an inequality of outcome and so what so we recognize that now we are want to fight against well I'm not sure why, I, that we want to necessarily fight against inequality but we say okay how are we what should we do about that how should we how should we recognizing that men and women are different remember how men and women used to be different last year mm -hmm. a couple years ago yeah so so if men and women are different and different things happen uh, even just biologically to a man and, and to a woman we should say what should we do about it and for whatever wild crazy drunk reason the feminist said you know what we Equalize. should do we should be able to go down the, uh, to a bed with a man and then stand up and make it equal and be also not pregnant that was the great big idea of feminism now, what is, here is my question, Evan, what is feminist about that? That seems like perfect patriarchy to me. <laughs> it seems like the, the way to, the, to embrace femininity is by acting like you're a man. It, it seems like real, a real sort of feminist move would have been like this. Look, <laughs> the women can come up pregnant, and so you know what should happen? The men should also get pregnant. Well, now that's a problem. Pregnant. Well, but you can have, um, you know, last year it was, but you can have a man share in the burden of pregnancy. You can, for example, have a man share in the financial burden of pregnancy. You can have a man share in the emotional burden of pregnancy and also children coming along. You can have a man there with the woman going through all of these things. So that's that they are to sound like in marriage. <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> it's marriage. <laughs> marriage is the best thing for for women. If you were a feminist, you should have been all about marriage. But the pro I mean, you know, the kind of picture of the dog man. He's like, I don't want to get married. You know, all the old ball and chain, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> marriage was always the the best thing for also men too. By the way, and but no, we can't have that. We can't have marriage because God. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> sorry to launch you off into that. Uh, boy, last last week I think it was talking about the Pope. Now we're talking about you know feminism, patriarch. Don't talk about feminism. Pastor Wolfman will go off. All right, we're gonna be uh, reading more from this church website. See if we can figure it out. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Stay tuned through the break.
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is most certainly true. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. You know, every once in a while you hit on a good point. You know, I guess it's one of those broken clocks. Uh, but, yeah, so feminism is, is putting itself forward to be pro, pro-woman, pro and yet it's putting itself forward to make, say women should be more like men, which would seem to admire. I, I've, I've oftentimes, it's oftentimes dawned on me whenever um, the media or whomever has to take the time to congratulate women at some accomplishment like first time a woman is holding held an office or whatever and i always pause at that to think if i have to stop and congratulate this moment then it is not yet equality <laughs> that's right well Ed, how ironic that now we have for the first time ever the uh, uh female vice president Right at the same time when you can't call someone a female because it's, <laughs> you know, that that now that's not my fault. That's not the fault of me, old patriarchy over here. <laughs> I don't know. It's all the it's all the beast devouring the prostitute in my mind. That's this. That's the picture from Revelation seventeen, right? Where here comes the the prostitute riding on the beast coming to destroy the church and by the end of the chapter the prostitutes fallen off on the ground and the beast is devouring her the church is just sitting there watching eating popcorn well i've and got that's what's in the culture now that's crazy stuff i've got one more line to read for you well maybe at least one more line <laughs> on this okay. page that says women in leadership it says the work of women in leadership is guided by a diverse steering committee they are committed to intersectionality and centering the wisdom of leadership of BIPOC women. What's that? Oh, you don't know what that is? <laughs> no. I'll explain it to you. BIPOC is an acronym for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. I'm surprised you didn't know that. How, how can, can you say that it is truly a diverse board if there's no <laughs> dudes on it? I was wondering if you were going to catch the irony. We 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 should play a new game called Find the Irony. <laughs> it's a very diverse board of It's like say it's it's you know this this thing it's like it's a, a very diverse board. There's men of white men of all ages. It's like wait a minute. Well, I have one more thing. You, one more you want to talk about that? The problem is, you know, if you make diversity the goal, you never get there. It's a it's a it's a devouring thing, you know. It's this if if progress is your goal, you never can reach it because you if you if there's a goal, then you stop progressing, right? So this is the uh, um, so you're never going to be diverse enough because, I mean, how many transgender and 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 the transgender thing really throws a wrench into the mix. Uh, sorry, I just thought of an analogy, but I'm not going to tell it to you because. This is, <laughs> All right. The whole thing is this because it's like uh, so. The, here's the problem: is you don't have enough transgender women on there, which means mm -hmm. men. At least that's what it meant a year ago. Then what happens? 
You got men. This is the this is the thing. The men are taking over everywhere because now all the men are women are winning women of the year, and all the men are winning all the women's <laughs> athlete sort of thing, all in the name of of feminism. This is what got J.K. Rowling in trouble. You know, she's a big lib too, as far as I can tell. But she's like, no, actually, women. I'm because I'm a feminist. I think that men shouldn't win awards from women. And how dare you? She gets has to get canceled. The whole thing is crazy. Anyway, can, are you allowed to say that? I don't know. From the patriarchal perspective, from me, member of the patriarchy, this whole thing is crazy. Okay. Anyhow. So I, because of, because. I meant to say us, from us members of the patriarchy. <laughs> you and I. Thank you. Evan is also Thank part you. of this. Thank you. Uh, your, your, uh, your anonymity and anger at me is shared with, it's, I only get half the ire because Evan agrees with me, even though he's not saying, <laughs> uh, sure. Whatever, whatever you say. Um, so because of the, because the website I'm drawing from here is the denominational website. Um, I also found this thing I thought would be kind of interesting. It's called the pastor wellbeing checklist. I thought maybe oh, we'd okay. see how you're doing. You, you, you game for that. Okay. All right. So I sure. get you're supposed to just kind of assign points for each thing. I don't know what scale this is on, but it says the congregation has taken steps to encourage slash eliminate barriers to biking and other types of exercise during the pastor's workday. What? So, like for example, is there a secure way to store bikes at church, or is there a way to pl- to to shower if you decide to bike to church? Oh, I see. Okay. Um. Obviously, you know, St. Paul's is failing in that thing. All right, we're going to keep moving on. When snacks are provided at church functions, the congregation provides healthy options such as fruit or vegetables. What kind of nonsense is that? Of course not. (laughs) Does does coffee count? Okay. It's it's not donuts. Yeah, well, a coffee bean has got to be a form of vegetable. Yeah. Um, Let's see. It's a bean. Is it a legume? Roasted legume sauce. That's what we have. Coffee and donuts. We take the middle out of the donuts to protect people from the dangerous carbs. All right, here's another one. The congregation, for the benefit of a sustained creative ministry, asks the pastor to preach no more than three Sundays per month on average. What the? (laughs) Okay, I think that's enough. Uh, All right, well, let's get to some. Are we failing? Sustainability? Is that what the is that what the diverse women's thing says? No, no, no. Well, this is just from the denomination in general, not the, uh, not necessarily the section from the women's thing. Okay, do you want to get into some theology? I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. We believe that baptism of believers with water is a sign of their cleansing from sin. Baptism is oh. also a pledge before the church of their covenant with God to walk in the way of Jesus Christ. Through the power of the okay. Holy Spirit, believers are back to Christ and his body by the Spirit, water, and blood. Okay. Anything about the babies there? Um, no. Not that, I, not, not that I can see. That's a kind of little, a slight head tap, hat tap, although maybe the lady pastors don't wear hats, but tip of the hat to not being a believer's baptism so this would be a, one of the kind of Anabaptist traditions. Okay, next. 
We believe that the Lord's Supper is a sign by which the church thankfully remembers the new covenant which Jesus established by his death. In this communion meal, the church renews its covenant with God and with each other and participates in the life and death of Jesus Christ until he comes. I wonder, see, I'm (laughs) suspicious. Sorry, I couldn't get the joke out. I started laughing at myself. Oh, I was going to say something obnoxious about how the very first things that you mention are washing and eating, like that that's the women's pastor's role on this sort of thing, <laughs> the washing and the and the patriarchy would have started with theology differently <laughs> well I, I do you think that counts? no no that that's not valid because i'm 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 reading things that might help you out so the first one is we oh, believe that just, god it's exists it's all about cooking and cleaning yeah cooking and cleaning <laughs> baptism in the lord's so well here's the next one so so I so baptism was number eleven. Lord's Supper is number twelve. Here's number thirteen. We believe that in the washing the feet of his disciples, Jesus calls us to serve one another in love as he did. Thus, we acknowledge our frequent need of cleansing, renew our willingness to let go of pride and worldly power, and offer our lives in humble service and sacrificial love. How can you be both a feminist and also a not interested in worldly power because those two things those two things seem and no i mean not and and here it i'm trying to so i've been somewhat obnoxious i'll admit up to this point but what here's a here's a just a very interesting um thing and that is that the uh in in what way are these kind of innate structures of nature related to by the church so so for example paul will say in christ there's no more male or female and we have to ask this question how does this then relate to the spiritual kingdom and to the earthly orders of things does it relate for example to paul's restriction of the office of holy ministry to men how how does that kind of shake itself out and and here i i see an it, it and it, it maybe isn't but i see an inherent contradiction in this foot washing stuff which sounds like it comes from a couple of generations before and the and the women in leadership thing which sounds uniquely modern at least 50 years modern and and those two things i i don't think um actually fit well together i don't i i just don't think that i think there's a um this has got to be an older tradition that's been hijacked towards the progressive reading of scripture interesting i think the church though that loves the foot washing is the disciples of christ i think they that make that almost a sacrament if i remember right in my comparative symbolics so i'm leaning towards that for a name that church body are you are you coming down on a final answer i think so you want to give me another example i don't know what example would push me even further I don't know either. Um, we'll tell you what. We're coming up on a break. Uh, tell, I can okay. read you the headings here, and after the break, I'll read you one more. So God, Jesus okay. Christ, Holy Spirit, Scripture, creation, uh, created human beings, sin, salvation, church, mission, already did baptism, Lord's Supper, foot washing, um, ministry, discipleship, life in the Spirit, families, truth, stewardship, peace, government, and the reign of God. 
scripture. All right, we're going to be hearing what this mysterious church body says about Holy Scripture right after this break, and we'll see if Pastor Wolfner is going to change his answer or keep it where it is. You're listening to Name That Church Body on Table Talk Radio. Where mediocrity comes to feel better about itself. This is Table Talk Radio. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway... If you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. All right, so we are hearing some statements of belief from this mysterious church body in the game. Name that church body. Pastor Wolfmuller is honing in on Disciples of Christ. But we're going to see if he changes his answer or keeps it the same after reading this one about Holy Scripture. It says, We believe that all Scripture is inspired by God through the Holy Spirit for instruction in salvation and training in righteousness. We accept the Scriptures as the Word of God and as the fully reliable and trustworthy standard for Christian faith and life. Led by the Holy Spirit in the Church, we interpret Scripture in harmony with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Did that Interesting. did that help you in any way? Does that tip the scales nope. in any? But that it, it doesn't change it from me. So I think I can say, I think I can say that uh, the, my best guess is disciples of Christ. I think that's the foot washing thing. I, I could be totally wrong about that, but that's my that's my best guess. Well, I will tell you that you're right. That you're totally wrong about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> At least I was right. <laughs> Uh, the correct answer you're looking for is Mennonite Church USA. Hmm. You know, that's this is the it's what's interesting is a Mennonite comes from this holiness tradition, which we know the holiness tradition, which is uh, uh, so you had the um, Minnow Simons who started it. He's a big on the Anabaptist deal, and then they weren't conservative enough, so then they. The old Amish started that. The Amish came out of the Mennonites? I think that's the case. Um, so there's all these kind of reformed of the reformed. But it is amazing that it's that progressive. And it's all. I'm also curiously, I'm surprised that it mentioned the, the kind of continuity with the church in their understanding of Scripture. How did it say that again? On the Scripture? Yeah. Um... We accept the scriptures as the word of God and fully reliable and trustworthy standard for the Christian faith and life, led by the Holy Spirit oh, there, in I the thought, church. Yeah, yeah, that in the church, in the church. I'm surprised that it said that. That. Yeah, so, so it's led, led by the Holy Spirit in the church, comma. We interpret scripture in harmony with Jesus Christ. Yeah, that idea of interpreting scripture in harmony with Jesus is a classic move, right? I mean, that's that's kind of. That's how. That's what gospel reductionism looks like. So you say, well, we, we want to understand the scripture 
to be about Jesus. And Jesus, you know, never, for example, talked about how women can't be pastors. So we're interpreting the scripture in light of Jesus who welcomed women and all this sort of stuff. So I'm a little surprised. The patriarchy edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm a little surprised that you were not wanting to hear the section on family, given your patriarchic well, <laughs> uh, center here. It. We're in the next segment, but let me hear it. How's it go? Well, it says, uh, we believe that God intends human life to begin in families and to be blessed through families. Even more, God desires all people to become part of the church, God's family. As single and married members of the church family give and receive nurture and healing, families can grow toward the wholeness that God intends. We are called to chastity and to loving faithfulness in marriage. That's nice. Well, it is nice. I I just find it um, to be a hard sell amongst some of the feminists. Don't you? Well, yeah, but, you know, remember, feminism is in waves. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, sounds like the second. And now we're in, like, the seventh wave of it, and it's all, they're all, the waves are starting to get mixed up with each other. So, I mean, remember, the first wave of feminism was against abortion. It was like, you know, that's a, so, it's not a consistent thing. Feminism is always changing its mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Interesting. Well, anyway, what do you have for me? I, I'm ready to. I'm ready to try to land some of these table talk <laughs> that was radio a terrible points. Joke. I'm trying to make some nice points here, and I end up doing stupid, <laughs> saying stupid stuff like that. I totally undercut my credibility. <laughs> what a knucklehead I am! All right, here I got a uh, web page for you. This is the affirmation of faith. This is a summary of their foundational beliefs. You can see the full affirmation of faith, which talks about this more. So let me just give you a rundown about 12 things. The Bible is the Word of God. There's one true and living God. He exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created, uh, God created all things for His glory. God created men and women in His image. All have sinned and rebelled against God. God alone is the author of salvation. Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died an atoning death, conquering sin, Satan, and death in His resurrection. He appeared to the disciples and many others before he ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to those who are in Christ. The church consists of all who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation. Heaven and hell are real places. Jesus Christ will one day return to establish his kingdom. So that's the summary of the foundational beliefs. And then there's a thing to dig deeper into it. Okay. So now, which I... one of those would be interesting to you? Well, I think... Um... One of the distinctions theologically is always going to come up when the, dealing with the matter of sin. So I'm interested in the one on sin. Okay. Uh, let's see. Because, because slightly one's, different. Aha, okay. one's kind of doctrinal understanding of sin always determines that one's doctrine of salvation. So in other words, if you if you think that man is simply inclined to sin and not actually dead in trespasses and sins, there's no possible way to get justification right from there. So I'm always interested to hear what a, a church body says about sin. Here it's under the title, Condition of Man and Woman. Adam and Eve received a command not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which allowed them, while they kept it, to remain joyfully whole in their communion with God, and have dominion over the earth and all living things. Adam and Eve, being influenced and seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, 
sinned in eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They thereby incurred not only physical death, but also spiritual death, which is separation from God. God permitted their sin, having allowed it to his own ultimate mercy and glory. By this sin they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, and so became dead in sin, and wholly corrupted in all their parts and faculties of soul, spirit, and body. As they, mm, that's interesting, mm. as they were the root of all mankind, the guilt, mm, the guilt, death, and corrupted nature caused by this sin was imputed and conveyed to all their poster posterity, descending from generation to generation. Since this original corruption, we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good. We are thus wholly inclined to all evil, and from this disposition proceeds all actual sin. For this reason we believe all human beings are born with a sinful nature. This corruption of nature during this life remains in those that are saved, although it is, through Christ, pardoned and mortified, it is never completely overcome until our glorification. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, wow. I the, the part that you paused on, I wondered if, um, you know, uh, could you read that part again about the being corrupted of the soul and body? Yeah, yeah. By the sin they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, and so became dead in sin and wholly corrupted in all their parts and faculties yeah. of soul, spirit, and body. Yeah, so uh, I think, again, I think it sounds pretty good. The only caution we want to have here is just a debate that took place um, uh, during the Reformation uh, around, I don't know, it was, it was one of the one of the matters that, was taken up in the form of Concord, and that was whether um, original sin corrupts the very human nature, so that when um, you know Jesus takes on that human nature, it is also corrupted. So we make this distinction between accident and and um, substance, um, and so we don't want to understand that it's the human nature itself that is sinful so that when Christ is born a man, that he bears a sinful humanity. So there's a distinction there. But aside from that, I, I think everything you just read sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Well, we have uh, two minutes before the break. If there's time, I'm also interested in the section uh, on the Holy Spirit gives gifts, because I think that we're going to be okay. heading towards a Pentecostal-type uh, church, depending on what this says. We believe the Holy Spirit empowers spiritual gifts as God wills to his children. These gifts are designed to testify to the presence of the kingdom and distributed to equip the saints for worship and ministry to build up the body of Jesus Christ, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. The miracles and revelatory gifts dispensed to the apostles and prophets of the early church are active today. The use of spiritual gifts is for the purpose of edification within the body that it would be built up in Christ, 1 Corinthians 14. We believe that God uses these spiritual gifts to display his glory and anointing in individual saints for the work of his ministry established in the timeless message of the Bible, Acts 2. Okay. So, uh, just as I suspected, um, I think we're uh, going towards some kind of uh, either a Pentecostal church or a church body that has been um, back in like the 70s when the charismatic movement swept through a lot of the church bodies have kind of hung on to some some of those uh, beliefs and practices. Um, now, it, so something that we need to 
beware of is is the very beginning of that description. You said the Holy the the Holy Spirit gives uh, gifts to um, what show the presence of the kingdom or something like that, and um, one of, one of the errors that we find when church bodies don't have the sacramental understanding as the Lord gives it to us in the Holy Scriptures, the the role of those sacraments show us God's promises, that he's binding his promises to, to tangible things. So, you know, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and we are to look to these things to know that uh, where God has placed his promises. And when a, a church body doesn't have that theological understanding, it's oftentimes replaced. And what we see a lot of times in Pentecostal charismatic churches is that they are replacing the sacraments with uh, gifts, particularly speaking in tongues. So if I can speak in tongues, well, that's an indication that I have the Holy Spirit. But let's try to see if we can root that out. Right after this break, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Shh! Most of the listeners are sleeping. This is Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, where we're playing the game... Name that church body. Pastor Wolfmuller read a section from his mysterious church body about uh, the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. And one of the other things, besides what I mentioned before the break, that sticks out to me is that the miracles that are given to the apostles are given to us today. Now, to be clear, I'm not here asserting that the Holy Spirit cannot work miracles among us today. Uh, God certainly uh, can and does. Um, so when we are sick or injured, for example, we might pray to the Lord for healing, and there may be a couple different ways that he could grant us that prayer, uh, So if he so chooses. Um, well, maybe three ways. That, that, that prayer is answered in one of three ways. Number one, he can answer that prayer through doctors and medication and, and the like. Uh, number two, he could... He could answer that prayer through a miraculous healing that is not explainable by modern science. Or number three, he could answer that prayer in the resurrection. Those are the three ways the Lord would answer the prayer to a believer who asks for healing. Uh, but what we're making a distinction from is that that uh, that Christians today would have the ability as the apostles to perform miracles, if I can use the phrase, like on demand, so that um, uh, at any at any given time, that as, as if we were the ones who made the choice whether God was going to perform or not. And again, this goes back to the understanding that this is a sign of the presence of the kingdom. So if, if God is truly present, then these miracles will take place. And, and that's, I think, something we want to we talk against. That's right. Well said. Now, see, so uh, I, I was, I was leaning towards on my final guess about the establishment of the kingdom, um, because I think this is going to put us towards a dispensational understanding. But now I'm wondering if there isn't something better that could help me understand here. What are some of the other categories again? Uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper, church, uh, salvation is a long one here. Uh, marriage, gender, sexuality, condition of man. Oh, we said that one already. Uh, 
God the Father, purpose, word of God, Trinity, God the Father, God the Son. Ah, that's it. Okay, so this is what I want to do. So I think if I listen to the one on establishing the kingdom, I think I would just learn that they're dispensational, which doesn't help me. Uh, the church is always interesting. Uh, one's theology of the church, I think, is one of the, another one of those categories that says a lot about a, uh, about one's theology. However, I'm going to ask you to read the one on the Trinity because um, we certainly uh, understand our Pentecostal friends uh, to be fellow Christians insofar as they confess the doctrines of the church, namely the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But there is this branch in the Pentecostal realm that denies the teaching of the Trinity as the church has historically confessed it and lends towards this, what we understand to be a modalism understanding. That is that God had at a time worked as the person of the Father, and then it ceases that work and now takes up the work of the a son for a time, and then that work ceases, and now God is functioning through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not a three-in-one understanding, but rather this kind of modalistic thing. That's modalism, Patrick. So modalism. I'm going to ask you to read the section on Trinity. Here it is. We believe that there is one true, good, and living God who is of one substance, power, and eternal purpose, yet eternally existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Trinity is without division of nature, essence, or being. 1 John 5, Matthew 3, 2 Corinthians 13. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. John 15, Galatians 4. The persons of the Trinity are equal in every divine perfection. They execute distinct but harmonious functions in the work of creation, history, providence, and redemption. God the Trinity possesses all life, glory, goodness, and blessedness in and of himself. Yeah. Sounds Trinitarian to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, if I had to render a guess with six minutes left in this <laughs> segment... <laughs> Well, you better get one more hint. Okay. I want to read you the last things. Okay, read me the last things. We believe in the personal and visible return of the Lord Jesus Christ to earth and the establishment of his kingdom. We believe in the resurrection of the body, the final judgment, the eternal felicity of the righteous, and the eternal punishment of the unredeemed. That's it. Okay. Um, well, so... This is as I suspected. So this is kind of a dispensational understanding. So that the return of Christ is going to be this uh, visible return, in particular, to establish His kingdom. And so um, all of this, I think. I so I don't think so. I mean, I I know what you're. I think we could say that too. In, in is the new heaven and the new earth, the Lord establishing His visible kingdom on sure. earth. Sure. So it doesn't it doesn't mention the rapture. Okay. It doesn't mention the thousand year reign of Christ. Hmm. So I I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm just I'm looking. I'm trying to look at scouring around here. I'm not a hundred percent they are that they are distinctively dispensational. Okay. Although they certainly don't reject it here. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you're right. Um. But see, I don't know. This is one of those things where um. The way we speak about theology is oftentimes informed by what errors we know are out there. And so mm -hmm. if you and I were talking about 
the return of Christ, um, I, we would certainly confess the 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 visible return of Christ. But to say he's coming here to establish his kingdom, to to someone who knows about the dispute between amillennialism and dispensational premillennialism, we would probably avoid that language to avoid confusion. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, the closest I can get on a guess here is some kind of uh, apostolic Pentecostal church. I think that is close. This is the Austin Stone. So the Austin Stone is the community church, the big community church here in Austin, Texas. Hmm. So I think this is your kind of typical, evangel- like the best that evangelicalism has to offer. <laughs> but interesting that, um, because I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I'm out of the game <laughs> a little bit, but the mm-hmm. the average run-of-the-mill non-denominational church uh would probably certainly say, yeah, we believe in miracles today, but wouldn't have a particularly strong emphasis on the working of of miracles as the apostles did in the way that this this I, articulated it. What do you think? I think that that's probably one of the differences. But if you take like your conservative mainline churches, like the Southern Baptist Church. And then you move over and you say, like, what's the difference between, like, the Southern Baptist Church and Calvary Chapel, for example, mm-hmm. as one of the kind of mainline Amer- conservative American evangelical churches? It's going to be that emphasis on spiritual gifts that's going to kind of pull them out of the—like, that would be the major difference. So it's not surprising to me that this, this, this non, the non-denominational churches are going to have that emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's something very interesting. We've been having a handful of visitors coming over from Austin Stone hmm. uh, and churches like this because they have been unable to speak clearly about the dangers of critical race theory. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot, is that one of the things that happens in e- that evangelical churches are traditionally uh, more conservative, right? Mm-hmm. But that that only lasts a little while, and then th- then you you can't sustain it. So there's like Christianity today, for example, has has just fallen to this cultural pressure, and there's all these major evangelical institutions that fall to this pressure. And someone was asking me why, and I said I think there's two reasons. But what do you think? I mean, have you thought about this? Why why you think that there's this inability to stand against some of these cultural pressures? Lack of confession. So I think that's one. So I think uh, you know th- th- this is sort of what this game roots out is when we're looking for a church body and we we want to discuss the doctrine like that. That's kind of the point of the game, and we'll find at best like a one-page statement of beliefs, and just as a comparison, the confessions of the Evangelical Lutheran Church are, you know. 800 900 pages in the book of concord you know so so we have mm-hmm. we have a very clear confession what we believe in it a very exhaustive form and churches without that confession are susceptible but pastor we have about 40 seconds left to t- tell your other theory that the other part is that it it is it started with the idea of being accessible to the culture mm. 
So we want to have our worship and our style and everything else so that it's culturally accessible. So you've already sort of, you've opened the window so that the air of culture can can blow in the church. And so when this kind of fog rolls in, you you have a very difficult time shutting the window to it. Yeah. Boy, that's that's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, good. That's so. something to think about. All right. Well, that's going to be it for, I guess, uh, did I get any points for that on Name That Church Body? Did I mean, two or three? 700. Oh, nice. I'll take that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where even though we don't have the image of God, we do have godly vocations. See how I did that? Both Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.